It was another Saturday of incredible Big 12 basketball. Welcome in. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports is where you find us covering the Big 12. Hope your day is going well, and we appreciate you being here and joining us on the show as we talk everything Big 12 basketball. If you're on YouTube, subscribe. You know what to do. Hit that thumbs up button as well as we get this video started. I know it sounds ridiculous, but it helps a lot more than you probably realize and uh, on the podcast, subscribe, leave that rating and review. And yeah, we'll still get you a Heartland College Sports koozie when you send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O at heartlandcollegesports.com. So uh, it was a great Saturday of basketball. A lot of games coming down to the wire. We had a triple overtime game. But where I want to start is what I think is clearly the class of this league right now. And that's the Houston Cougars. They lead the way by like 50 points in point differential in conference play. They're like plus 80. Kansas is number two at plus 28. They're dominating on that front. And you saw them blow a pretty good Kansas State team out of the water on Saturday. And if that's the Houston team, now you can't play like that night in, night out. But if that's the Houston team, we're going to see for the most part the rest of the way, that's the class of the Big 12 right there. You know, Houston, if you look at a box score, it's not going to tell you the whole story because the box score will tell you that Houston shot only 33% from three-point range. They started off red hot. They were four of nine from distance to open up this game against Kansas State. And they were up 20 points at halftime, and they cruised in that second half. And it's because of the hot shooting start they got off to in that game. And uh, you know, Kansas State was not going to keep up. If Houston can play the defense it plays, and they're first in basically every defensive category, field goal percentage, three-point field goal percentage on defense, they do it all on that side of the ball. If they get the kind of three-point shooting and just shooting in general that they got to start the K-State game, no one's going to touch them. Now, once again, that can't happen every game for the Houston Cougars. Can't happen that way for anybody for the most part. But that's what makes this Houston team so dangerous, because if they get hot, you know the defense is going to do its thing. You know they're most likely going to out-rebound you as well. So now you got to sit back and say, how do you beat this team? And the answer is, I, I don't think you do. And while I believe the depth in the Big 12 is incredible, from like 2 to 12, what I'm starting to sense is a gap growing between one and the field, one being Houston. Now, Houston certainly took its lumps. You know, I mean, they're sitting there. They got a couple of league losses. Like, we know that. We saw these games the last couple of weeks, back-to-back -back losses at Iowa State and at TCU. But one, they're still getting adjusted to these road trips and these Big 12 road atmospheres. It's not the AAC anymore. So, Clearly, there's going to be a split between road and home, I think, larger for Houston than probably most, most teams that are of their caliber. But at home, this team is going to be really tough to beat. And you saw that on Saturday against Kansas State. I mean, I flipped it on with like 15 minutes to go in the first half, and it was game, set, match, it felt like, because of how hot Houston started in that game. It was unbelievable. So there was a ton to take out of that thing. But to me, it's the growing gap between Houston and the field in the Big 12. And that's what we're starting to see play out. Now, I'm curious to see how they play at like Kansas City for the Big 12 tournament. But obviously, that's six weeks away. 
So let's just get through the regular season. Now, as I look through Saturday, when you look at the standings right now in the Big 12 Conference, there is one team at the top, and that is the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Man, oh man, once again, raise your hand if at the end of January, you had Texas Tech in first place in the Big 12 as we flip the calendar to February. You're a liar. And if you aren't a liar, go buy a lottery ticket right now. So this is a game that I'm I'm watching, and I'm like, all right, Tech's coming back down to earth again. It's a tough road game. It's at OU. OU is off a loss. Tech needed this game. And Pop Isaacs had really not shown up. And what it feels like with Texas Tech is as Pop Isaacs goes, the Red Raiders go. I mean, that's, for the most part, been the case here for this team this season. And Pop had like, geez, I mean, I'm trying to think of what point this was in the game when they showed this this graphic. But at one point, he's sitting there with three points, I think it was, like at some point in the second half. And he was struggling. Now, he came on late, but if you go back and look at this game and you want to understand why Texas Tech was able to win this game, it's one guy, and that's Chance McMillan who had himself a whale of a game with 27 points. And and really, without his play, especially in the middle part of that second half, Tech doesn't win this game. Pop Isaacs came on late with a couple of big shots, and obviously Tech needed them in this win over Oklahoma. But Chance McMillan is the guy who really kept him in this game when it felt like everybody else was ice cold. So if you're starting to get those secondary and tertiary scoring options for Texas Tech beyond Pop Isaacs, that really opens up the potential for this team going forward. And now they're five and one. They're in first place. Now they played one less game because Texas Tech had a bye week this past week. Every Big 12 basketball team gets one Monday through Friday where they don't play a game. And it started this past week and it goes for the next, I think, three weeks. So Tech had the early bye week, for lack of a better word, in the Big 12. And now they got to go to TCU, home to Cincinnati, at Baylor, to UCF. Now, you look at those four games and you say none of them are easy. But also, with the way they're playing, they could win them all. That's what's been amazing about this Texas Tech team. And the way they grinded back from being down seven, eight, nine points with eight minutes left in this game against Oklahoma on the road, that showed some fight to me from Grant McCaslin and this team that I wasn't, I mean, listen, I knew they were a tough team, but you're down in conference play with seven and a half minutes left by basically double digits and you come back and you win in this league. That shows me something that shows all of us something about what this program is this year, what Grant McCaslin is building there and the toughness, the mental grittiness that Texas Tech has. So credit to the Red Raiders. That is a really good win that they got on the road coming back against Oklahoma in a back-and-forth game because they got off to a hot start. They blew the lead. They go ice cold there you know, in the middle of the second half, and then they come on late and pick up a very good win over the Oklahoma Sooners. And now sitting there in first place. So we got to get – and don't don't worry. I'm going to get to the K-State-Iowa State stuff. I'm going to get to the – KU, Iowa State, so we're going to get to all that. But I'm just going in order here. We had a triple overtime game I got to spend a couple of minutes on with TCU beating Baylor 105-102 to in triple OT. Now, our guy Matthew Postens was there, 
And quick plug, if you haven't seen a Baylor game on their new home court, the camera angle is beyond bizarre because they built the stadium really steep. So when you're watching the game on TV, it's like you're watching from outer space. There's a video on our Instagram page that Matthew posted of him walking up to where the TV cameras are. So you can get a look of what it looks like. Just follow us on Instagram at Heartland College Sports and you'll see it there. Uh, it's one of our most recent posts. So hit us up on Instagram. Follow us there. You can see exactly what that looks like from that Baylor camera angle. It's it's strange, but that's how they wanted to build the stadium. They wanted to build it like, you know, really create that that. um just the steepness to kind of give it a, a tight environment and it's tough on the opposing teams, but obviously TCU uh, was able to get it done on the road in triple overtime, one Oh five to one Oh two in this game. And, you know, listen, Baylor had a lot of opportunities to win this thing. I, I know a lot of people want to point to the officiating, but it, it's, it's, let's be honest. It's just, it's it's not the officiating for why Baylor lost this game. I don't think you can point at the officiating and simply say, oh, that's why Baylor lost. They found themselves in the lead for most of the second half, right? I mean, they were up almost, what, 10 points with 12 minutes left in this game? They were in control. Heck, they were up, uh, what, nine points with eight minutes to go? I mean... You can talk officiating all you want, and the officiating in this league, of course, needs to improve. I sound like a broken record when I say that. But here's a Baylor team that has an enormous amount of talent, that has the talent to be a top 10, top 15 team in the country, and now they've lost three straight at K-State, at Texas, and home to TCU. But look at these games, right? I mean, these losses for Baylor, I was surprised the fan base was booing them because they're not getting embarrassed here. They have two road losses at K-State at Texas by a combined six points, and then they lose a triple overtime thriller, triple overtime to TCU in a game that could have gone either way once you got to overtime. So this game in many ways encapsulates the Big 12 this season. Triple O, I mean, banging back and forth, intense, um, you know, big players stepping up and making big plays. It was phenomenal basketball if you were watching this game. And for TCU, it's the team right now to me that is just not getting talked enough about in this conference. Now, they're four and three in the league, but man, you look at the games that they've lost. And I talked about this last week. They're four and three, and their three losses are by a combined seven points. The Kansas controversy to open up league play by two at Cincinnati by four, K-State by a point. <laughs> TCU, as I look at them, they are right there at the top of this conference, and they're not going to get the attention that Texas Tech is going to get, that Houston's going to get, that Iowa State naturally is going to get, that Kansas is going to get. But when I'm looking at, at the four and three teams right now in this league, and there's three of them, K-State, TCU, and Kansas – I'm like, well, even though Kansas has beaten TCU, TCU is right there. I mean, TCU is a team that with Jamie Dixon and the, the, the players they've got on this team, I don't want to play them right now. So it has been so much fun to watch them. And that's why this Texas Tech TCU game coming up this week is going to be fantastic. It's on Tuesday night, and that is going to be an enormous game for both of those teams to learn about them. And also when you talk about the Big 12 race, 
that's going to be an incredible game. TCU and Texas Tech on Tuesday. So now uh, we get to Iowa State beating Kansas 79 to 75. And there are so many layers to this game. Where do you want to start? Let's start with the game itself. Kansas is a team that still is struggling with its depth. We've talked about it. It feels like they've got, you know, a solid five, obviously. But to me, this game started to, I don't want to use the word unravel, but late in the first half, KJ Adams picks up another foul. He's got to go to the bench. And then, of course, there's the flagrant foul called on Kansas. Bill Self gets a technical. Was it a flagrant by the book? Yeah, I guess it was. Do I like that flagrant foul call? No. You know, I mean, I and I think that's true in all sports, right? I think you look at football, you look at basketball, it's gotten soft. But I get it. I'm not like I'm not saying that call changed the game, but I'm saying that stretch there. KJ Adams goes out. Um, Kansas gets hit with the flagrant right call by the book. I'm not saying it wasn't, but then Bill Self gets the T, and all of a sudden, you know, it feels like that momentum swung the other way late in the first half in favor of Iowa State. Um, uh, but Bill Self said this after the game, and and I don't think he's wrong to point out if we score 75 points. At Hilton Coliseum, we feel good about winning this game. But Iowa State, you know, they were money. They shot nearly 50% from three-point range. What are you going to do? I mean, when Trey King is dropping dimes from long range, you know you're probably in for a long day. And obviously, he was money from downtown, as was the entire Iowa State team on Saturday. So I'm watching the game, and I'm saying to myself, I, I get what Bill's saying. Yeah, he needs depth, and yes, this team's not perfect by any stretch. I don't think it's the you know, best team he's had over the last couple of years or anything of that nature, but he's got a lot of talent. They can compete with just about anybody in the country, um, and it's a tough load, road loss and one of the best atmospheres in all of, forget the Big 12, but all of college basketball at Hilton, and that's exactly what you saw on Saturday afternoon. So it's a great win for Iowa State. They got to feel good about themselves. And, you know, this game that we need to unwrap and unfold. All right. So let me just, let me start here. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports. Thanks for being a part of the show as always. Uh, hit the subscribe button. If you're on YouTube, hit the thumbs up as well. We appreciate you being here. The court storming. I don't like the court storming. And I threw this up on Twitter at Heartland underscore CS, and it got hundreds of thousands of views, responses, comments, the whole thing. I'm not an old man, by the way. I'm sitting here as a millennial. I got a five-year-old, a two-year-old, and a third kid on the way. So a lot of you are like, oh, old man syndrome, fun police. No, here's the thing. I'm a believer in acting like you've been there before. And for the record as well, because a lot of you accuse me of this, I'm not a KU, K-State homer. I know you're seeing my chief stuff if you're on YouTube right now. Um, I didn't go to a Big 12 school, so I that's why I love this league, because I believe I can analyze it and talk about it um, and love it from every single angle without the bias of having uh, purple-colored goggles on or blue or crimson or anything like that, burn orange. I don't have any of that. I just love the Big 12. But when you're a four-and-a-half-point favorite, you can't storm the courts. You can't do it. 
I'm sorry. I love Iowa State fans. They're some of the you know most passionate fans and readers that we have and viewers and listeners. I'm just not a court-storming guy unless you're a huge underdog at home and you know, you're taking someone down that nobody saw coming. Kansas beating Oklahoma in football. That's field storming worthy. Like those are the moments when I think court storming or field storming is appropriate. Not a home team as a four and a half point favorite against a, by KU standards, relatively weak KU team winning at home. That's not court storming. That's just, I don't, I don't know if that's, if I'm the fun police for that, so be it. But I don't know. I just watched a team play great basketball for 40 minutes, hit 47% of their three pointers. That's a lot of fun. Like, I don't understand why that's not fun enough. And you know who doesn't storm the courts? They don't storm courts at KU. They don't storm courts at Duke, at Kentucky. Blue Bloods, people that expect to win, don't storm courts and don't storm fields. Now, I know someone's going to respond to this and, you know, link to one moment where one of the Blue Bloods stormed a court, but uh, they don't storm courts or fields because they expect to win. It's not about being the fun place. Trust me, if you've been to a game with me as a fan, you're going to have fun. I ask any, you know, I'll go to Chiefs games. Uh, you see the shirts I've, trust me, we have a good time. I love a good tailgate, love getting to the game, getting that first 24 ounce beer, not Bud Light, having a great time. Life's good. We're going to have a blast. I promise you, we're all going to have fun if we ever go to a game together. If we do a Heartland College Sports tailgate together, we will have fun. I am not the fun place. I am just a proponent of when you're a favorite and understanding the moment, you don't storm the court. It's turned into this. We are storming courts way too much, by the way, in all conferences, at all levels. It's become a thing for kids to do, students to do, to get their selfies, to get their Instagram lives, to try to build up their brands. That's all it's about. You know, I, I'm in my mid-30s. But when I was in school, the smartphone didn't exist. And for those asking, I did go to Villanova. So I've got, you know, the Big East background. And it was right as Villanova was starting to get good under Jay Wright. I, I was there from 06 to 10. So I saw the 09 Final Four. Never once stormed a court. And they were not a blue blood yet. Now, I know they stink right now, but they were not a blue blood under Jay Wright at that time. Didn't storm courts against UConn. Didn't storm courts against Georgetown. Expected to win. And I think Iowa State is a program that should expect to win that game. And my attitude, it's an unwritten rule, but if you are expected to win a game, you can't storm a court. That's it. And you know what? I There's a lot of fun to be had in the parking lot after the game. I'm all about it. So I'm just not a court storming guy. You save them for special occasions. And that was not one. That was an Iowa State win. That was a great win that they deserve to win that they should have won. So that's all I got for you on that one. It's all good, though. We love each other here. I mean, I, I was surprised at some of the responses on social media. Now, I know social media is, you know, uh, the pits. But I was like, guys, we're just, we're just having fun here. All right, you can disagree with me. I can disagree with you. But gosh, there were other podcasters and bloggers who were just really taking it personally. And I'm like, relax. It's all good. I mean, I, I disagree with you on the court storming. 
to me, the fun police are the guys who are really butthurt about the whole thing, but that's a story for another day, I guess. Jeez. But uh, great win for Iowa State. All right, now let me spend a couple of minutes here um, on the other controversy, and that is Iowa State, Kansas State, everything going on with that. Welcome into the show. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports. Subscribe, by the way, if you're on YouTube or the podcast. Man, this thing is getting ugly. Now, I love when rivalries get really heated, and that's what's happening with Kansas State and Iowa State. Farmageddon always had kind of a feel-goodness to it, like rivalry that's budding. But still, it's it's both fan bases are very similar, um, have a lot in common. And I say this as somebody who loves both fan bases. But what's happened this week has created an animosity between these two fan bases that the Big 12 hasn't seen bubble up in a long time in a new way. Like, you you follow, you talk to either side of this, K-State or Iowa State, they are now, I mean, bitter, very bitter rivals. And it's not ending anytime soon. By the way, side note, this is good for the Big 12, but we'll worry about that another day. That's a big picture conversation. On the micro, here's what's going on. So we know what happened earlier this week, the controversy, Iowa State, Kansas State, coaches Otzelberger and uh, Tang meet at half court. There are some issues there during the game. They talk after the game. People are kind of speculating what's going on in the press conferences. Neither guys talked about it. Then a report came down through the Kansas City Star suggesting that Jerome Tang and his staff were concerned that Iowa State had staffers who were filming their timeouts, who were videotaping or filming on their phones timeouts. They were texting back to the Iowa State bench. That's what came out from the Kansas City Star. That's the first place I saw it. And then, you know, you had on Saturday, Iowa State Athletic Director Jamie Pollard denied it. And then after the game, Otzelberger, he addressed it and he was livid. And, you know, he was pissed and he also put out um, an allegation as well, uh, basically saying that um, a Kansas State assistant coach allegedly he puts here cursed out one of their student managers who was mopping the floor during a timeout Otzelberger said it's incredibly disappointing that after such an awesome game and an awesome environment I have to begin by addressing something that happened earlier this week the ludicrous rumors earlier this week that somehow we were trying to gain an advantage by looking into our opponent's huddles is an affront to our players our fans and to me he said it's not who I am it's not what our program is about. And I'm angry that someone would even make that suggestion. And then he goes on to make the allegation about one of their staff members um, getting cursed out or, or one of the K-State staff members cursing out a student manager who was mopping the floor. I, I'm not here to pick sides on this. I'm not. I think both fan bases have a point and both fan bases understandably are going to defend their guy. And then also both fan bases, I think, are acting, you know, at times, and some of them are completely losing their minds. I don't know what happened. I This is all he said, she said, and speculation. So K-State fans are saying, hey, Tang hasn't said anything about this publicly. It's now Otzelberger who's taking this to the next level by addressing it publicly. But hold on, Iowa State fans. You think that the leak to the media 
didn't come from somebody on that staff, whether it's Tang or somebody else. So to say that, well, Tang hasn't addressed it publicly, and now Otz has, that's not fair to Iowa State. Because clearly the rumor, you know, it was Kellis Robinette that reported it for the Kansas City Star and the Wichita Eagle. He's a good reporter. He's not pulling stuff out of his rear end unless he's got this from a good source. And maybe it's not Tang himself, but he's not getting this from the water boy. So Kansas State preferred to go through the media on this. And that's their prerogative. That's how the game is played. But Kansas State can't just sit there and say, well, we're not addressing this publicly, and now Iowa State is. Kansas State clearly planted the rumor with media, and now Iowa State has to defend itself. I don't def- I don't blame Iowa State for defending itself publicly when this thing clearly got leaked conveniently. You can't get an Iowa State for that. Now, as to what actually happened, you know, I, I don't know. None of us really know. Right. I mean, people are mad. I'm not just automatically defending Iowa State either. I listen, we've seen this in college sports. We just saw it with Michigan and Connor Stallion and that whole thing. That's not to suggest Iowa State did this, but the idea that gamesmanship and and trying to get a leg up is impossible and would never happen in college sports. I'm not naive and you're not naive. So the fact that I don't automatically defend Iowa State here, I, I, I don't have the facts. I don't think Otz is that kind of coach. I I don't. I have no reason to believe that is the case, but I also don't know. So that's why I have taken the approach of staying out of it. Um, I'm not picking a side, and I'm just analyzing it from a distance because I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't, and we don't at Heartland College Sports. We have reported on it. Some Iowa State fans have gotten ticked at us for even reporting on Jamie Pollard and his comments. It's like, wait, what do you... No, no, no. That's what we do. We cover the Big 12. Jamie Pollard publicly addressed it, so we're going to write a story about it. And we wrote a news story about it on the site on Saturday. But there are Iowa State fans who are crushing us on our Facebook and Twitter pages saying, I can't... You guys are like TMZ. How are we like TMZ? We're literally writing a news story about something the AD said in response to these allegations and accusations. That's not TMZ. That's us reporting and doing our job. Same thing with the Ott story. We wrote it saying TJ Otzelberger said this after the game. That's us doing our job. Be mad at Kansas State, but we're just here covering the Big 12. That's that's the only thing that we are doing. So, uh, And that's the only thing we're going to keep doing on this until we have the facts that suggest otherwise. That's it. Um. So we're just going to step back and, and let it play from there. Let me talk about some of these other games before we wrap up uh, the show on Heartland College Sports. Great to have you here, by the way. I'm Pete Mundo. Thanks for joining us on YouTube and also uh, on the podcast. So uh, BYU and Houston. Excuse me, BYU and Texas. So let's talk BYU and Texas. The Cougars get an 84-72 to win. And here's the thing. you know We know that BYU is going to be a much tougher out at home than on the road. 41% from three-point range. But one thing I noticed, they were a little more selective in their three-point shooting, BYU. And that's something that we talked about with Matthew Postens earlier this week. They've got to start doing. They were 41% from three-point range. That's where you want to be if you're BYU. And it's a very good win over a Texas team that had put together a couple of victories in a row, was starting to feel themselves. 
but BYU got it done. So a very good win for them. They out-rebounded Texas, they out-hustled Texas, and they had a very, very uh, good game. Outside of the turnovers, that was kind of an issue for BYU, but they get a good win, double-digit victory over Texas. The bigger story here is off the court. So do you see what happened here in this BYU-Texas game? Before the game, a bunch of BYU fans, like, you know, seven, eight guys, had T-shirts that spelled horns down. In the wake of all the drama with the horns down thing, Rodney Terry, UCF from a couple of weeks ago, right? So these BYU fans have these horns down T-shirts on. It's fun. It's college sports. BYU asks these guys to take off their shirts and not have the horns down T-shirts on. So they had to remove their shirts. Or, yeah, they were painted onto the shirts. They had to remove the shirts after the first media timeout. I mean, this is college sports. So BYU says, hey, we gotta, you got to take the shirts off. The kids say, okay, fine. After the game, and this was, I, I couldn't believe he said this, but after the game, BYU head coach Mark Pope used the end of his press conference to address this, which is insane. He addressed this and he said, quote, that's just not us. That's not how we roll. It was a miscalculation by a couple of eager kids, which we love the eagerness of these fans, but that's just not what we do here. That's something we're not supporting. What are you not supporting, Coach Pope? Students being students, fans being fans. Can we get no Big 12 coach or administrator should ever apologize for horns down? My goodness, have some fun here. See that, by the way? Yeah, there you go. Uh, are you kidding me? Why are we apologizing for horns down? There's nothing like racist, sexist, misogynistic. I mean, I guess it's anti-cow, if that's your concern. There's nothing about it that's negative. It's good old-fashioned fun. It's what makes college sports the best, the passion, the rivalries, the history. And now we've got coaches apologizing for fans? wearing a t-shirt that spells horns down? I mean, how ridiculous is this? And Mark Pope seems like a great guy, but welcome to the Big 12, my man. I mean, you know, this is the last chance, the only chance that your fans are going to get to play Texas and they're having some fun doing horns down and you don't even get asked about it. Use the end of your press conference to apologize for it. I mean, that is incredibly weak. And to be clear, Texas did not request those t-shirts get taken down. We found that out. Texas did not request those shirts get taken down. BYU just went about doing it. And I understand the religious aspect of everything going on, but it's fun. It's good old fashioned fun in college sports. That's what this is. And Johnny Dawkins kind of did a little bit of that a couple of weeks ago, the UCF head coach, when he was like, oh, you know, that's not what our guys do. I'm going to talk to him the whole thing. Stop. We are getting so damn soft on this. This is ridiculous. Embrace it if you're Texas. That's what Steve Sarkeesian, to his credit, has done. Embrace the hate, as Sark has said. Chris Del Conte, the AD, has also been quoted publicly as saying, embrace the hate. And it's not really hate. It's just fun. It's college sports. It's what makes this sport great. And let's all enjoy it and move on. It's completely ridiculous. And a Big 12 coach and administrator, I never want to see for the next six months, anyone in this league apologize for a horns down. Grow. Everyone needs to grow up and get over it and allow students to be students 
And unless a player is doing horns down like two inches from somebody else's face on Texas in any sport, don't address it. Just have fun. My gosh, you want to talk about losing the fun. We are losing the fun, I mean, to the nth degree with stuff like this. Unbelievable. And yeah, as Kevin points out on Facebook Live, Horns Down has been around forever. I mean, unbelievable and such a joke. Um, The last two games we'll touch on here before we put a bow on the show. Oklahoma State gets a a win, its first win in conference play, beating West Virginia 70-66. to On a day that they remember the 10, uh, 27 years to the day, or 27 years, uh, the anniversary of that tragedy. And, you know, it was a good win for Oklahoma State, obviously. Anyone's a good win for Oklahoma State, to be honest. But Javon Small uh, hits the go-ahead three-pointer with under a minute to go, and that's a guy that we've expected to step up. I've been impressed by him every time I watch him. And, you know, for them... um, you look at this Cowboys team that only had one other lead in the final 10 minutes before that small three-pointer gave them a one-point lead with 53 seconds left. And then West Virginia comes back down. They miss a shot in the paint. Um, West Virginia actually got the offensive rebound, uh, but then uh, lost possession. Brandon Garrison was fouled, makes a couple of free throws. And that's basically that for Oklahoma State getting a, a, a very uh, good win. And by the way, a much needed win. For the Cowboys, uh, this is one of the. I mean, do I think Oklahoma State's going anywhere this year? No, but anything that helps Mike Bowen keep his job will be good for the Cowboys. For West Virginia, the story is really about how different this team is on the road versus at home. We know what that home court is like, but I mean, this team uh, is now zero and three on the road in league play, and at home they're two and one. I mean, they beat Kansas at home, they beat Texas at home. And then they end up going on the road. They lose to Oklahoma by 15 points. They lose to UCF by 13. They lose at Oklahoma State, the worst team in the league. So there's a clear home road split between uh, for West Virginia. Now, that's expected. It's always a tough place to travel to. It's a tough place to play. That's true in football and basketball. Uh, but it's it's very evident for this basketball team so far this season. And that's what we're seeing for the Mountaineers in a game that, frankly, they should not have lost. They were better than Oklahoma State, but they came up uh, just short in that game. And then, you know, UCF-Cincinnati. You know, UCF had a 12-point lead at halftime and let it slip away. Foul trouble was a major issue uh, for this team. They had, you know, guys were fouling out um, left and right. Well, not left and right, but two guys fouled out for UCF, including Diallo, their big man, and that hurt them. I mean, 18 fouls uh, for the UCF Knights, not good. And it's one of those things that ultimately cost them in this game. They only scored 18 points in the second half. And we've seen this UCF offense just go ice cold at times this season. Was it, gosh, I guess it was last Saturday. They had, what, 15 points at halftime playing Houston? So this offense can get ugly quickly. Uh, for the Knights. And you saw that on full display on Saturday as Cincinnati comes back and and gets a win. And these two teams, listen, they're going to be fighting for NCAA tournament appearance here. Now, Cincinnati's been a team that's gotten a lot more attention for getting into the big dance than UCF. I haven't even seen UCF on a bubble yet, but Saturday was a big blow for UCF. It's a long season, but that's a game that UCF might look back on if they are in the bubble conversation at the end of the season. 
and they're going to sit there and say to themselves, that's when we should have had. You're in complete control of this game, and you let it totally slip away in the second half. And that's what happened on Saturday. I'm Pete Mundo. Great to have you guys here. Thank you for joining us on Heartland College Sports. It was a great Saturday of Big 12 Hoops. Be sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Hit that button. Hit the thumbs up if you haven't yet. It's a great way to help this show. It's more than you realize. And on the podcast, you guys know what to do as well. Share it. Hit the five-star Hit the uh, review, and if you take 30 seconds out and leave us a nice review, I'll get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie when you uh, send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And yes, as some of you are saying, go Chiefs. Depending on when you listen to this, that might make me look very stupid or very smart. But either way, go Chiefs and sign up for our free message boards at heartlandcollegesports.com. Click on the Members Forum tab at the top of the page. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Go Big 12.